Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new edition of Pick and Pod on this Tuesday, March 26th. I'm Dominic Pone. Glad to be joined by P. Hudek and Joey Dayon. Guys, a lot to get into today. Obviously, the injury to Yusuf Nurkic is circulating around right now. What a gruesome injury, and you never want to see that on an NBA court, let alone anywhere. And um, he he basically had a career game yesterday, but unfortunately, they made the playoffs in the Portland Trailblazers, but it's kind of spoiled because of this injury. Yeah, it's a tough blow to the Trailblazers, a team that wanted to advance past the first round for the first time in a couple of years. That puts a huge blow on things. The injury is tough to uh, to talk about just because of the fact that it was so gruesome. Uh, it was tough to watch. But at the same time, that injury is a catch-22 there because Nurkic's only playing 26 minutes a game. You're in double overtime. You're trying to win a big-time game. You're trying to solidify your t- spot in the top four seeds. And then he's playing 30, 32-plus He's out there. Maybe he shouldn't be out there. Fatigue could have been a factor. So it's it's tough, but, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to Nurkic. Yeah, the Blazers trying to win a game and just rough look for Nurkic. If you haven't seen it, it's like one of those Paul George, mm-hmm. Gordon Disgusting. Hayward injuries. It was just really tough to I look at. I believe uh, Kevin Ware was actually trending on Twitter last night because it was just yeah. the resemblance between these two injuries. Luckily uh, for fans at home, Nurkic was wearing the leg sleeve, so right. you couldn't see the actual break. But you when you saw the video of him coming down. So now they lose Nurkic, and C.J. McCollum has been missing time. And if that extends into the playoffs, that's really bad because, I mean, there's any matchup in the West is tough. Mm-hmm. There's no easy out in the West. The eighth seed is the Thunder, and, these were, and that's a team that people were considering – uh, like a competition for the Warriors earlier this year. Yeah, Portland had another great year, but it seems like every single time they want to go on a playoff run, an injury like this, not like this magnitude, but an injury happens. And like you said, they were the fourth seed. They had a lot of high hopes. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. I know CJ McCollum's injured right now, but without Nurkic, granted you have Ennis Cantor, but without Nurkic, that's, that's a really big blow for them. And it seems like they run into this problem every single year because we see Damian Lillard, he wants to stay in Portland, he wants to play, but Portland can't get over that hump, and unfortunately it happens again. Yeah, for me, Portland just doesn't have a great supporting cast around them. They have a ver- a lot of solid role players. Aminu steps in nicely, Harkless steps in nicely, Lehman's been good, Nurkic has been really, really good. Unfortunately, McCullum went down to injury uh, as well as Nurkic, but I don't think that they have enough to have, you know, to compliment Lillard and put him over the top. I also think that sometimes, as much as Damian Lillard is a playmaker and he's an absolutely unbelievable scorer, sometimes it's easy to take him out of his scoring if he's not shooting the ball really well from 30-plus feet mm-hmm. because of the fact that he is only 6'1". So he's 6'1", you bring a hard double off of that top that screen and roll at the top of the key, he's got to give the ball up and become just a passer now. So I think that's a big problem when you're looking at Damian Lillard in playoff series. We saw it last year with the Pelicans. They were able to double-team him with Anthony Davis, get the ball out of his hands a lot. And if he wasn't making threes at a high percentage, threes even two feet, three feet behind the line at a high percentage, then he wasn't, he wasn't able to be as dominant as he'd like to be. Yeah, the problem with Portland is they're one of those small market teams that can't really attract. They're not even in the conversation when it comes to free agency most of the time. And this will be another season they'll probably, you know, not do as well as they have hoped. And then people will be talking about, is it time to split up Lillard and McCollum? Which one of those guys are going to choose? What are you going to get in return? It's seems like the same story every year for the Trailblazers. And LaMarcus Aldridge even came out and said he kind of wants to go back to Portland, which if you're if you're the Spurs, I'm like, why, why are you saying that? Well, Portland isn't really such a 
bad destination for a free agent. I feel like the Rose Garden is a nice place to play. Portland's got a nice fan base. They have a lot of people behind them, and they have a nice little team. They have Lillard and McCollum, who are two small, ta- small, small school loyal guys. So for them, it's about now having Lillard and McCollum being able to attract those that one or two big time free agents to put them over the top, which I don't think they're in such a bad position to do. Yeah, and uh, I, I understand where you're coming from, but if you're a free agent, you can team up with someone else, go into like an L.A. or a, a, a New York uh, in the Knicks. I feel like that would be a better destination than going to Portland, but I understand where you're coming from in the sense that Damian Lillard, he's playing well, but I don't know if Portland can keep all these guys when it comes around to it. Right. And uh, speaking of, of Portland, right now they're the fourth seed, realistically without Nurkic. They, they're either going to face, obviously, a lock and switch because it's not solidified yet because Portland is the last team right now to get a playoff spot. But the Jazz are the fifth seed, the Clippers are the sixth seed, and San Antonio's right there. If they play any of those three teams, is it realistic that Portland can move on? Because I know right now the Jazz and especially the Clippers are playing well. Yeah, so Utah down low, they got Rudy Gobert, which is going to be a big problem for Portland without Nurkic. And Rudy Gobert has been the most dominant center in the league by far, so it hasn't even... You know, that's a huge concern for Portland moving forward. And then Utah's got the guys to kind of put the shackles on Lillard and McCollum. They got Rubio, who plays really nice defense. They got Mitchell. Mitchell's one of the most explosive guys in the league. He could potentially be the best offensive player in that series. Mm -hmm. So that's a nightmare series for Portland if they have to go up against Utah. Which is crazy to think because Damian Lillard's on Portland, but you said Donovan Mitchell. Right. Donovan Mitchell, when the playoffs come on I mean we saw it last season the guy goes on this just unbelievable he went on this unbelievable run last year and I think that's in his DNA and I think that's part of who he's going to be going forward especially in the playoffs yeah the trailblazers the thing is if any team had a huge injury it would impact their odds in the playoffs the west is so stacked I mean even the spurs I think a lot of people thought they were stale I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. thought they would fade and the kings would come in but the spurs they had a rough the rodeo road trip when they go around Texas they bounce right back beating good teams like I I know they beat Golden State I know they beat uh the Thunder too Mm -hmm. they're they're really hot right now they're eight and two in their last ten we'll get to more of this playoff prediction towards the end of the show but Yesterday, something else uh, happened. Devin Booker decided to drop 59 points, and this was the first time in NBA history that a player scored 50 points in a game in which his team lost by 30 or more, and I just think this is the epitome of the Suns. Devin Booker has been this one shining star for them, but the Suns just cannot figure it out as a team. So for the Suns, it's absolutely pathetic to have Devin Booker (laughs) go for 59 points and the rest of the team go for 33. Yeah, I don't think one player scored above 10 points. Yeah, so that's, that's pathetic, I think. If you're Phoenix, really the only bright spot right now is Devin Booker. You look at Aiton, it's way too early to judge who he can be. Hopefully for them, they get the number one pick. They win the Zion sweepstakes because that's really all they have to look forward to right now. Phoenix doesn't have that many pieces other than Booker and Aiton that I see as potential you know, all-stars or even just very good players in this league. So for Phoenix... I mean, Booker is just an absolute beast when it comes to scoring. He's straight up filthy. 59 points. He did that before. He'll do it again. I think he's got scoring title type talent in the NBA in the future. Yeah, you're right, Joey. Uh, The Suns definitely need better players. A problem with trying to get better players is you need a GM. (laughs) The Suns don't have a GM. They haven't had a GM for like half the year. They had James Jones who was gift wrapping uh, Tyson Chandler for LeBron James. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing with Aiton is, number one overall pick, I haven't had that stretch where everyone's like, oh, my, right. DeAndre Aiton's going no. off. We've seen it with Marvin Bagley. Doncic basically did it for half the season. Trey Young just did it. I want to see something out of DeAndre Aiton before the season ends, and hopefully he can maybe show us something. And I'm on the record saying that I thought DeAndre Aiton was going to win Rookie of the Year just because this Suns team, granted they had Devin Booker, but I feel like this guy could have scored down low, grabbed, 10 rebounds a game, which he's doing. But like you said, he when people talk about Rookie of the Year, it's it's Young and Doncic, and that's it, like and Bagley um, in some conversations. But DeAndre, number one overall pick, basically not even in, in the discussion. In Aiton's defense, he's got to go up against some unbelievable bigs mm-hmm. right now. We're seeing a plethora of bigs that are really up and rising in the NBA again. You look at the Nuggets, Jokic, Rockets, it's Capella. Portland, it was, it was Nurkic, Utah. It's it's Gobert in the middle. The Spurs have Aldridge. Oklahoma City's got Adams. So there's no nights off for DeAndre Ayton. He's only 18, 19 years old. So hopefully he'll be able to grow. He's got a man's body already. But hopefully his mental aspect of the game, which is something that he was lacking coming into the league, grows and grows and help, hopefully potentially catches up with those physical skills and he could put that all together. Jimmer Fredette getting back into the NBA. Six points yesterday. Struggled, though. One of ten shooting. 0 of four. Oh, five from three. Uh, Pete, you're shaking your head. What's the? I, I what do you hate think? Jimmer, man. <laughs> oh, really? Every time Jimmer comes back to the league, he's like, "This is where I belong. I'll be here for a long time. I'm gonna be a player. You'll hear about me." And then five days later, he gets cut and he's back in China. I, I wonder if there's ever been a player that could that struggles in the NBA but goes over to China and just drops in forty a game because he that's what he did. Like he was a three time CBA All Star. Jimmer and Michael Beasley. <laughs> yeah, right. And Mar Marbury. Marbury's a Stephen god. Stephen Marbury over there was a China. god over there. I mean, they, I mean Jimmer Fredette earlier this year, granted it was like a, it was a exhibition. It was against the Rockers, but he dropped in forty one points. And uh, he, he comes out. He only played fourteen minutes, but one of ten from the field. Uh, not a good look to start off your rejuvenated NBA career. Jimmer is a guy that's so perplexing to me that I don't ever think I'll get a hand on him or, mm-hmm. or exactly point to why he can't do it in the league. He's so explosive offensively. Maybe it's his height. Maybe he's not He's not explosive enough in terms of being able to finish at or above the rim. He's got to play from that 20 to 25-foot range, which may, you know, be a reason why he becomes fatigued in games. And he's also got to play against the most – elite athletes in the world so that could be a thing for Jimmer but it's always puzzling to me because every time I watch Jimmer play he somehow is breathtaking and he does something that gets me on the edge of my seat all the time and he's an absolute you know just pure scorer so it's tough to put a finger on what really goes wrong for Jimmer once he hits the NBA hardwood yeah we're talking about uh players that the Suns need to surround Devin Booker with. Uh, Jimmer ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. If they're trying to get someone, uh, they obviously try to want to try to get Zion Williamson in the draft. They're going to be going up against, obviously, the Bulls, the Knicks, teams like that. But uh, a team in New York that's playing well right now, trying to get to the playoffs, is the Brooklyn Nets. They are the seventh seed right now. They're a game and a half from dropping out of the playoffs. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. Obviously, they just lost yesterday against the Portland Trailblazers, and it's not going to be easy coming up, guys. They got Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Milwaukee again, Indiana, and then Miami, who's currently the eighth seed, to wrap up the season. This is going to be a very tough stretch of games, but they're playing pretty well right now. Can they do it, Joey? I think the Nets will get in. I think the way they play and the heart they play with is something of a playoff team. You mentioned that. 
schedule it's brutal and then the last 10 games they played were brutal as well they went on a tough west coast road trip um, but I like the fight that I've seen out of this team. Brooklyn doesn't give up. They play tight games. They they play tough. No matter what, they're going to play hard. They're going to play to the last whistle. And ultimately, they they play in a lot of close games. So And you have a closer in D'Angelo Russell, who's arguably the top 10 closer in the NBA right now. He's been absolutely sensational. He He almost did it again last night. He wasn't completely himself, but he did a lot of good things when he had the ball and he was able to score and tie the game multiple times. So for the Nets, I think, you know, just continuing to stay in it, continuing to grind. Also, hopefully for them, Milwaukee doesn't have to play for anything. They lock everything up by the time they get them a second time. I think the Nets are a team that will get in and I also think they're a team that will get in because I don't trust the teams underneath them. I don't trust the Orlandos. I don't trust the Charlottes. Miami is a little bit better than those teams, but just f- because of the fact that the teams under them aren't so good and aren't consistent at all, I think that the Nets will get in. And uh, you were making a point before that Charlotte has to go seven and two just right. to get over. They're only thirty-four and thirty-nine, and the Nets are already above five hundred. So if I'm looking at it, Charlotte has to find a way to get to five hundred. That means they got to go seven and two. Same with Orlando. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, the Nets better make the playoffs because I already have them penciled in for one playoff win. I think oh, really? <laughs> I really like this team. This The rest of the schedule, Sixers and Celtics up and down, Bucks, Raptors, and then Bucks again. You don't know what those teams are going to be playing for. They may have already clinched their spot, and they're more talented than the Pacers and Heat. If I'm one of the top four Eastern Conference teams, and I'm talking about uh, Celtics, Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, if I, I don't want to play the Nets. I want to play the Heat, the Pistons, or the Pacers. Mm-hmm. You think they're just a... Like- a team that can come together and scare a yeah, team yeah. like Yeah, I mean, I think if D'Angelo, I think D'Angelo Russell should be probably one of the All NBA guards. Okay, yeah, I think yeah, he's no. really playing at that yeah. level right now. Um, over the last five games, I know it's five games, but thirty-one points per game, five rebounds, nine assists, thirty-seven percent from three. He he's doing it all, and he's getting hot at the right time, trying to get on this playoff push. And just looking at the standings right now, Brooklyn, the seventh seed, if it were to end today, they would have to play Toronto. That would obviously be a tough matchup. But for Brooklyn, I think if you get that sixth seed and you could play like uh, like a Philadelphia, I, I think that could be a, a good, tough first round. I don't think Brooklyn's getting out of the first round. I think they have one or two games in them. The only way that they would possibly get out of the first round is if they get to five, which is not going to happen. They're six games out of five. So I think for the Nets, it's just a really good year to build, get some playoff experience, continue to have these young guys play in meaningful games. The the Russells, the Leverts, the Dinwiddies, the Allens, um, those guys are really stepping up, and it's great for them to be involved in some – Big-time games, some meaningful games, and then get some playoff taste um, really young in their careers. And for the Nets, it's a great season for them, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, if the, the Nets play the Bucks, the Raptors, they definitely don't get out of the first round. If they play the Sixers, I don't think they get out of the first round either. But mm-hmm. it could be one of those situations where it's like it's game five and the series is tied 2-2, and the you know the Sixers are choked down the stretch. They're known <laughs> to do that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so Brooklyn right now, they have, they have room for a – pretty big free agent coming in next year whether that's a Jimmy Butler if they go after Kyrie KD but the the team that everyone thinks they're going to the Knicks 60 losses on the season they're obviously trying to tank for Zion Williamson and and if you're Brooklyn I'm going to bring it back to Brooklyn right now do you think a free agent is going to look at this team like these young guys are playing very well this is a team I want to play for not the Knicks I do I personally believe that for the Knicks right now that's somewhat of a concern to see the way that Brooklyn's playing, to see the foundation that they have. And 
potentially have someone pick the Nets over the Knicks. The, the only thing the Knicks have is they have the Mecca, they have Madison Square Garden, they're in Manhattan, they have that appeal. Brooklyn doesn't have that appeal so much. They're, they're playing in Brooklyn. The uh, the Barclays Center isn't as appealing, not even close to the Mecca. Um, but if I'm the Nets, I'm a little concerned about going after another point guard like a Kyrie or a Lillard just because of the fact that I've seen D'Angelo Russell this season really produce. And from what I've seen this season, there's nothing that tells me that he can't get to a superstar level in this league, the way he's playing, the confidence he's playing with at such a young age. So for me, it's about going out, maybe getting that two, that three, that four. I mean, if they could get the rent, that would be mm-hmm. sensational for them. But definitely Brooklyn is in the cards as a as a free agent player, and that's somewhat of a concern for New York. But again, the Knicks are the Knicks. They'll always have that brand, and they'll always have the Mecca. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell what NBA superstars are thinking when they go to free agency, whether it's going to be the Nets or the Knicks. But I'll tell you that the Nets won't be a joke anymore. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm taking a meeting with the Nets. <laughs> sure, I'll take like yeah. I'm doing someone right. a favor. Um, I just hope the Nets don't do anything stupid and sign like Jimmy Butler to a huge deal. I I really don't want to see Jimmy Butler in either New York team. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the guy. But I hope the Nets sign, you know, maybe Chris Middleton to not a max deal, but like a nice deal, like yeah, something be like a nice that. Player, yeah. For for the the Knicks, the, a lot of people they have all their eggs in the basket getting these two max contracts and then obviously Zion Williamson. But if you don't get Zion Williamson, will KD and Kyrie basically look at this place and be like, I can't win here with the talent that's surrounding me? I think that they'll say that. But at the same time, I think those guys are too ultra-talented, very egotistical, very confident players. So when you're looking at a Kyrie and and Kyrie says, oh, wow, I could team up with KD here. We got Knox, maybe DeAndre comes back. That's a potential powerhouse in the Eastern Conference. So those guys are uber talented. They're very confident in their ability. So anytime Kyrie and KD can pair up, and if they decide to do so with the Knicks, I think that that's, a, that that's something that they won't pass up on. In ter- just being able to play together. I think Kyrie knows that if I have KD with me, man, who's going to stop that offensive ability? And then we can get these other guys to plug in. Zion is an, an icing on the cake. He's something special. But let, let's not forget that 2-3 and three in the draft is going to be John Morant and R.J. Barrett. Those guys are very capable guys as well. Although Zion is obviously the guy you want, John Morant and, Zion, and uh, R.J. Barrett are two very um, good backup plans after Zion. The playoffs start April 13th, and for the first time since 2005, LeBron James will not be playing in the postseason. And to be honest, this second half of this Lakers season this year has been a complete derailment. Obviously, they were the fifth seed at Christmas. LeBron goes down with injury. The ball goes down with injury. The team struggles. They drop out of it. We met a month ago, Joey, right. and we were talking about the Lakers' struggles, and I said they were going to make the playoffs. No way LeBron James doesn't make the playoffs. And here we are today. They're officially out of the playoffs. And LeBron James, a lot of fingers are being pointed out of him that he wasn't a good teammate this year, that he didn't do other things. But a lot of injuries surrounded this team, and Lonzo Ball, I think, is a real catalyst. And he, he, he obviously wasn't there. Um, after that ankle injury, but LeBron James, not a good look that he's not in the playoffs, but he vowed that he'll turn this around next year. I believe in LeBron James. I think that this year, to your point, Dom, and to Jackson's point a month ago, 
he really wasn't focused on basketball as much as he should have been. He was not focused on winning. I think if you watch one episode of his HBO series, The Shop, then you could you got that vibe from him. He's sipping on tequila. He's on the bench drinking wine. So what type of player who's going to be sipping on tequila and, and drinking wine on the bench is, is going to be ready when he comes back from the, the worst injury of his career to make a playoff push with uh, with a depleted Lakers roster? I just think LeBron wasn't in it mentally or physically this season and and that was a big strain on him i also think that he wants to have his body healthy for next Mm. year why am i going to go to the playoffs expend all this energy to make a run just to get in as that eight seed then i got to go up against golden state play them for four or five games okay that was nice i just wasted a lot of energy doing that i think lebron didn't want to do that i think he wanted to refuel for next season that's exactly what he's getting it's crazy lebron james not a blemish off the court but when he's on the court he seems like he has these bad optics all the time you saw walt clyde frazier ripping him when he was playing at the garden Um, and basically said that he's not being a good teammate because the team was huddling up and he's sitting at the end of the bench. Granted, he was talking to, I believe, Tyson Chandler, but uh, just bad optics surround this guy constantly. I remember there was a stat when he came back from injury saying that he was playing on the same speed on defense as Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, which is a really, oh I did see that stat, yeah. A really bad look. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely, I think uh, you got to look on the bright side. Magic Johnson nailed it. This team doesn't need D'Angelo Russell at all. I mean, that would have that <laughs> yeah, helped right? that at all. Uh, I do want to pose a question, though, because I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, you know how when we pick the MVP, it's like James Harden or Steph Curry, but we do the caveat of, but like the most valuable player in the league is LeBron James. Yeah, of right. course. Is the most valuable player in the league still LeBron James? It's crazy because last year, just look at the Cavaliers right now. They're completely one of the worst teams in the league. And every year it was LeBron James gets these teams to the playoffs. He could take any team to the playoffs. And and that's why he's the most valuable player because Cleveland wouldn't be a playoff team um, without him. And going to this year, granted the the Lakers haven't made the playoffs the past two years. And with LeBron on the team, they haven't been that much better their record-wise than last year. So uh, I'm not going to put age as a factor. But I don't think LeBron James is the most valuable to his team this year. Yeah, I don't think we're. I think we're past the days of saying that. Honestly, I think the new most valuable player in the NBA is Giannis. I yeah, think I was say whatever Giannis whatever team you put him on, they'll go for fifty plus wins, especially in the East. I mean, he's at what are they at now? They're at fifty five wins with eight games to go. They'll probably crack sixty. So I think Giannis is that guy. I think Harden's a close second. Um, but yeah, I think. LeBron, in terms of most valuable player to his team, is probably third, fourth, or fifth. Yeah, I mean, I think this year it's Harden just because he's having the best year of his career and it's better than the best Kobe year if you look at it statistically. But I think in a season or so, it'll be Giannis. He'll be the most dominant guy in the league for sure. Obviously, a lot of people are talking about Harden, Paul George, MVP. You're going to go with Harden. I believe Harden, 34 points per game. He had that stretch where he seemed like he was scoring 50 every single night. Uh, I I would actually go with Harden too. I I know a lot of people don't like his game, how he gets to the line. But go back and look at those Kobe years in 2004-2005 when he had the stretch of scoring 40-50 a game. He got to the free throw line 15 to 18 times a game, and that's exactly what James Harden's doing. There's no difference, and people just, I think, like to hate on James Harden. For me, I have no problem with the way James Harden's plays. I'm actually kind of biased towards Harden. I, I love his game. I love the Rockets. I'm always rooting for them. Uh, for him to get Houston into that three seed really says a lot about the season he's had, the way he's brought Houston together as a team. I struggle with the MVP 
tremendously because of the the job that Giannis has done this season. He's been absolutely tremendous. There's nothing he hasn't done. But there's also nothing that James Harden hasn't done. So when you're talking about these two guys, I really don't think you could go wrong with the MVP, whether it's Harden or Giannis. I would have to give it to Giannis just because of the fact that his team's number one in the East. And I really view them as an NBA Finals uh, potential you know, winner. Yeah, I definitely am picking Harden. But just to make a case for Giannis... Uh, his he's been the Bucks have been so good and blowing out so many teams. He's only playing thirty three minutes a game. So and James Harden has been the only guy on the Houston Rockets basically. So he's right. been playing over thirty six minutes a game. So if you actually look at their per thirty six, I'm pretty sure Giannis is having a better season than James Harden. But I mean, just what he was able to do with that team in a much tougher conference, I think it's amazing. Going towards and looking at the playoffs right now again starts April thirteenth. Let's start in the East. I know only one through four is solidified right now, and five through eight can jump around a lot. But is there a matchup that you guys want to see that intrigues you in this playoffs? So for me, the first round is basically a wash. I think you're getting um, one, two, three, and five, which is Milwaukee, uh, Toronto, Philadelphia, and Boston advancing. And then in that second round, that's where I'm really you know, intrigued to see what happens. I think Milwaukee versus Boston is going to be – a bloodbath. I think Toronto versus Philly also going to be a phenomenal series. So that's where I'm really looking in the Eastern Conference. I, I'm past the first round already. I don't think anyone upsets anybody, and I think Boston takes care of Indy with ease without Oladipo. So right now I'm looking at the, the, that second round, and it's really tough to decide who's going to get out and get to that conference finals this season. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Joey. In the Eastern Conference, I don't want to watch the Pacers, Pistons, or Heat play, and I'm a huge <laughs> NBA fan. I do want to see who the Nets play. I think that series will be really interesting. I want to see what the Nets look like in the playoffs. But, yeah, nothing gets interesting until the second round where it's, you know, Bucks uh, could be playing the Celtics and the Raps against the Sixers. Right now, the Indiana Pacers are two games out of the third spot. If, for whatever reason, the Pacers can jump Philadelphia, go to number three, and then Philadelphia is at number four, and Boston's at five, or vice versa. I think that's a great first-round yeah. matchup, Philadelphia and Boston. Boston seems like they've had their way with Philadelphia over the past couple of years. Last year, they they uh, beat them 4-1 um, in, in the playoffs, and but this year, the Celtics really struggling. I'm not going to say really struggling, but they've had some bad losses. They were up by 18 against Charlotte, blew that game. They're up by 15 against the 76ers, blew that game. Right now, they're just not winning games, and they lost four in a row. But I think if the Pacers can get to the third and Philadelphia drops to four, I think the 4-5 matchup of Boston-Philly is a great matchup. Yeah, I think Boston has that big brother thing over Philly right now. Last year, like as you mentioned, 4-1. Very tightly contested series, but still 4-1. And then this year, Boston was up 3-0 on Philly in in the season series, and then Philly got a really nice win at yeah, home. Ba- Boston blew one down the stretch. It was a back-and-forth kind of game, really good game. I think Boston has that that um, mental edge on Philly if they get them in the in the conference finals or if it ends up being that 4-5. So that's an intriguing series uh, but I I would take Boston um with with the experience that they gained last season with the success they've had against Philly with having the best closer in that series in Kyrie Irving. I see Boston uh over Philly if if they meet up in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you guys covered it on the Sixers and Celtics. I would personally take the Sixers. I think they're uh, a better team right now. I'm just really interested to see on the competition on who's a worse teammate, Kyrie or Jimmy Butler in that series. Oh, that's, that's a good point you bring up, Jimmy Butler. I, I, I don't think we've heard a lot from him out of Philadelphia, but definitely when uh, – There's been some chirps. Yeah, there's been some chirping, definitely, no doubt. 
switching over to the Western Conference, I, I was looking at one matchup. Obviously, the one seed right now is Golden State. The eighth seed is OKC Thunder. I feel like that's going into it, that's always like a great matchup. And then Golden State's like, okay, we'll, we'll blow them out by 30. We'll take care of this. But I feel like I know OKC's the eighth seed. They're four and six in their last 10. But if Russell Westbrook's playing well, Adams is playing well, and Paul George is playing as MVP, do you think they have any chance against Golden State to, I, I'm not going to say beat Golden State in a seven game series, but to give them a run, something? Because I, I really like OKC and Golden State when they match up. Yeah, I think the Thunder definitely have a shot. The Warriors have been terrible this past, like, later part of the season. It looks like Kevin Durant's already checked out. There was that video of him, like, the whole Warriors doing their little pregame dance, and then, like, it pans to Kevin Durant just walking out, like, ten minutes later. Yeah, and you saw Steve Kerr saying something about Draymond Green, like he's getting tired of his, like, stuff. But uh, Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So if I look at th- these matchups, and I'm looking at one through eight right now, and if it stands still... This will have. This will be the toughest road that the Golden State Warriors will ever have to endure, winning an NBA championship, barring all guys stay healthy on the teams that they're going to have to go up against. Because we've seen the luck of Golden State when they're well, somehow Kawhi backed Spurs, up against yeah. the wall, right? <laughs> somehow the best player on the other team, or maybe the most important player on the other team, as you mentioned, Kawhi, Chris Paul, Mike Conley in previous years for the for the Grizzlies. So, but if you look at this right now, Golden State has to go up against Oklahoma City. That's not going to be a cakewalk. Russell Westbrook is going to beat them up no matter what happens in that series. Same with Paul George, Stephen Adams, a bruiser down low. Oklahoma City is going to give them something. Then you got Portland versus Utah in the four five. I would have Utah advancing. Utah Golden State. That's also a tough series for Golden State. So I'm looking at potentially two six six-game series, maybe even one seven-game series before they get to the Western Conference Finals. And then they're going to have to match up with either Denver or Houston who has an easier road. Not that much easier, but an easier road. And then the Western Conference Finals, Golden State may be more beat up or as beat up as Denver and Houston. I think that's a very intriguing storyline. Again, the playoffs start April 13th. The matchups are not solidified yet. There's still a lot of basketball to be played in these one through eight seeds in the Eastern and Western Conference can be shaken up a little bit. Again, Yusuf Nurkic goes down with a brutal injury. The Brooklyn Nets, currently the seventh seed in the East, have to go on a big tear playing Philly, Boston, Milwaukee twice, Toronto, and Indiana, and Miami to try to get a playoff spot. That will just about do for this episode of Pick and Pod. For P. Hudek and Joey Dayon, I'm Dominic Capone, and we'll see you next time.